special roundup episode of Black Hole Cinema. My name's Dan Taylor and I'm still joined by Elton McManus to discuss a number of films released between October 2015 and February 2016. In the last episode we discussed Star Wars The Force Awakens, Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, Spectre and Steve Jobs. In this part, we'll be discussing The Revenant and The Big Short, as well as little reviews of Spotlight and Creed. But up first, we have the box office top ten. Uh, it wouldn't be a black hole cinema without one. Uh, but we can't quite do it in the traditional sense, because I can't just tell you what um, you know the box office figures were for, for last week. I can't just use the handy old box office mojo. This, this took me a good two hours to collate and put together. So uh, basically what we've done is I've pulled it all together from um, October through until the end of February. I cheated a little bit, because with the exception of The Martian, everything was released in October to February in the UK. Martian was released on September 30th, so I thought you'd let me off on a day, um, particularly because it meant that Goosebumps didn't get in at number 10. (laughs) Um, So uh, with that said, The Martian is in there somewhere. Uh, Number 10 though, is Bridge of Spies. Uh, Fox release got uh, 165 uh, and nearly a half um, million dollars. Uh, it took around 6.6% of the um, uh, gross uh, take uh, j- just here in the UK alone. Um, so we've got good taste. Well done, UK, but more on that later. Um, did you manage to get Bridge of Spies in? No, I didn't manage to squeeze that one in. It was one that I wanted to, but mm. I, yeah, I didn't get around to doing that. It's Tom Hanks. I pretty much know what I'm going to be getting, but mm. yeah, I didn't, yeah, didn't get around to it. Yeah, you're going to be getting Captain Phillips, but with a different man. Um, so, but no, it's, it's on my list. In fact, it's, it's sitting um, ready to be watched already. Um, so I, I, I will get around to it eventually. Um, and if it's half as good as apparently the Oscars think Mark Rylance it was, then um, it should be all right. Um, at number nine is one that we've actually got coming up in the second part of the show, which is Creed, uh, a Warner Brothers picture. Uh, took $173 million worldwide. Um, it had massive popularity, as I'm sure it would in the US. It took a staggering 63.3% of the overall gross uh, take just in the US um, alone, um, which is massive. Mm. Um, uh, briefly, because we're going to talk about it in more depth, A star or D or F? <laughs> I, where would I put that? I'd, I'd put it as a B minus C plus. Yeah, that sounds good enough. Uh, what is not definitely a C plus or B minus is next on the list, and I'm horrified that it's on the list, is Alvin and the Bloody Chipmunk, The Road Trip. <laughs> 21st Century Fox, 233, uh, $230 rather, uh, million dollars. And it's this statistic that makes me sick. 9.4% took 
uh, percentage-wise in the UK, making it the most popular uh, country outside of the US. More people in the UK watched it than any other country um, other than the US. Even though it was released almost last, only Norway um, released it later. So it's taken more money than anywhere else bar the US, which completely then... Me saying Bridge of Spies, we've got good taste. We then all went and watched Alvin and the Chipmunks, apparently. What is the matter with us? Shame on us. Yeah, disgusting. Um, but it's, it's also a reasonably new release. It was only released in February, so that figure might even go up further. Um, luckily, it wasn't the highest uh, kids' film on the list. Um, the Good Dinosaur got that, number seven. Um, obviously, Walt Disney, uh, $313 million. Um, it did very well. Um, did you take your son to see that? Uh, no, I, I don't even know if I've even heard of that one. <laughs> Released in December, early December, I think it was. Um, it kind of was supposed to be their kind of Christmas movie, but then Star Wars came along and <laughs> brief, you know, t- took it aside and said, no, you're okay, we- we've got this. Yeah, I think if you're going to make one cinema trip, it's going to be for the Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah. Um, number six, another one we've got coming up um, later on is The Revenant. Um, not the highest um, Oscar-nominated uh, Best Feature film, though, um, but it did take uh, $443 million. Um, audience share, 7.2%. So, you know, it's kind of putting that out and energy amongst in perspective. Um, <laughs> um, at number five... Uh, the one, as I said, September 30th, so we're letting it just creep in there, is The Martian. Um, Fox, again, they've actually got five films um, in this top ten, so they did very well at the end of the year. Um, 628, um, well, almost $629 million. Um, Interestingly, um, did not particularly well domestically. Um, Only 36.3%. Um, in America, so a, a much higher overseas um, percentage, which I thought was a surprise since it's all about an American astronaut with an American team and they go into space. And I thought that would be, you know, right up American American Street, as it were. It normally is, isn't it? That sort yeah. of bravado, you know, we can go save the Earth, we can go save anyone sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They lap it up over there, them crazy yeah. kids. Yeah, Matt but, Damon as well, you know. Yeah, who's more American than Matt Damon to actually get stuck on planet America? Bloody yeah. hell. It was a shocker. Um, briefly talked about it earlier. And number four, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. We're now getting into the juggernauts, as it were. Uh, a Lionsgate picture, the only one they had anywhere near um, the top of anywhere. Uh, Lionsgate had a particularly bad year last year. Um, but it did take $652 million, so not that bad. All mm. in all. Um, number three is The Shocker. And I'm surprised it's here. Um, and so early, too. Deadpool is number three. So from October to February, Deadpool is number three. It took $708 million, um, Fox's highest um, uh, release uh, during that period. Um, You didn't get to see Deadpool, did you? I haven't. No, not yet, no. But I've heard good things about it, and Mm. I've heard that it is lapping it up everywhere it goes yeah yeah uh, great things um everywhere i've heard um well i also saw it so i can i can say it's great it's, it's, you know it's a, it's a solid b um but um yeah no it's it's 
ripping it up everywhere. But for a big surprise as well, and it's got some countries yet to release. I think, I think Japan and China are still to go. So we'll see how they um, take to it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's being released in China at all because don't they just dislike anything that's slightly racy? I I don't know. I don't know. It, it's a you're you're opening a big gun here that I, <laughs> I can really just shoot myself in the foot with. So I'm I think I'm going to back away from that one. Yeah, yeah they got they got well anime can be quite you know uh, if is that China or is that that's Japan isn't it? That's, that's Japan. That's, yeah. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. Did you see Attack on Titan? Oh yeah, bloody yeah, they can be bloody. So you know, in 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 retrospect, maybe that was a, a comment I should have saved for, <laughs> for, for my for my own personal use. Um, number two um, is the the highest British film, if you can call it that, uh, Spectre. Um, the uh, only Sony release on this list, um, eight hundred and eighty. Uh, million dollars worldwide wow. with the highest UK share of 15% so did well over here um, but it did well everywhere to be fair um, didn't do too badly at all um, but um, I think you only need one guess to see what's at number one um, I'm not even going to ask because I'm not even going to say it there we go, number, there we go. <laughs> two, to, two to ten you can guess what number one no Star Wars The Force Awakens um, meaning Disney had an absolutely corker of a year um, I know Universal had a very good kind of spring summertime with Jurassic World and that kind of thing, um, but Disney really um, pulling it home with Age of Ultron and Star Wars. Just those two alone just kind of eliminates everything else from from the existence. Uh, a UK share of eight point five percent, but that doesn't really say much. The fact that it's just gone crazy everywhere. Uh, the figure at this moment in time, as of about it was about two thirty p.m. when I finished putting this together, so it was two. Billion fifty four million seven hundred eight thousand and two hundred sixty pounds. So well done, Star Wars. They've done all right, haven't they? So that's the top ten. As I said, Star Wars, Spectre, Deadpool, which is for me the surprise, Hunger Games, uh, Mockingjay Part Two, Martian, The Revenant, Good Dinosaur, the film that shall not be named, um, Creed, and Bridge of Spies. So that is the box office top ten from October or September thirtieth, if you want to be pedantic, uh, through until the end of February, which this is a leap year, so they've got an extra day as well, twenty ninth. See, moving on, moving on. Up next, the Revenant. Only safe thing to do is track a new course back up online. Then what we gonna do? Sit out there like a bunch of goddamn ducks? You and your half-breed son get to walk on out? I'm talking to you. While exploring the uncharted wilderness in 1823, legendary frontiersman Hugh Glass sustains injuries from a brutal bear attack. When his hunting team leaves him for dead, Glass must utilise his survival skills to find a way back home to his beloved family. Grief-stricken and fuelled by vengeance, Glass treks across the wintry terrain to track down John Fitzgerald, the former confidant who betrayed and abandoned him. I don't know who wrote that, but I'm sure he didn't have a family back home. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Um, So I went into this not knowing quite what to expect um, because I'd heard the reviews and they were a bit mixed. And, um, you know, I was a big fan of what um, Alejandro and Yota did with Birdman. Um, A massive fan of Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, up until this film, I almost love pretty much everything he's ever done mm-hmm. um tom hardy's pretty solid 
Um, and, um, you know, Will, both Will Poulter and Domhnall Gleeson have been popping up and doing some good stuff here and there. Um, so, you know, I thought, you know, it, it could be good. You know, I'm going to ignore what everyone's saying and, you know, it, it'll be solid, I'm sure. Unfortunately, after 50 minutes, maybe, maybe, maybe as much as an hour, um, I was looking at my watch thinking the film was about to finish not realising that it had another hour and a half to go, at least. Oh, yeah, you must have been disappointed. Yeah. Um, it's just... All I can say is just not a lot happens. A lot happens, but not a lot, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's lots of groaning, grunting um, dialogue that you can't understand, because, again, Tom Hardy makes himself unhearable. Um and while the physical performance that DiCaprio has to put in, in comparison to his acting performances that he's done previously, this, for me, was undeserving of that Oscar win, despite the fact that I'm really pleased that he got it because of all his work that's happened in the past, um, even as recently as The Wolf of Wall Street, which I think he was fantastic in. Yeah. Um, this just for me I just it just annoyed me and I'm hoping that he's not gonna sit there in thirty years time and go, bloody wish I hadn't won for the fucking revenant. Yeah, I think where they win though, it, the Oscars to me feel like they pass it around and it's oh, it's your time. So mm. look look at Scorsese when he won his. He won it for the departed. Yeah. Do you reckon he wanted to win it for The Departed? I'm sure he's he's glad that he won it for that, but it's just because he didn't have one that they gave it to him for it. Yeah. But The Departed certainly wasn't one of his worst films. Oh, God, no. No, it, it was a brilliant film. But yeah. It's not, oh, it, it's not the one that you would have put with him. No. Uh, no yeah, so many others would have gone before that. Um, with Leo, I... I have been a huge fan of his for a long, long time. Mm. There's been... I grew up... Uh, I met a bunch of mates and we watched um, Basketball Diaries. I thought he was brilliant in that. I mm. loved that movie so, so much. Um, I liked him in Titanic. I enjoyed Titanic. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed Titanic. Oh. I, I will wholeheartedly say I've seen it about 30 or 40 times. Like, yeah. You know... <laughs> great <laughs> i'll freely admit that i will watch it i've got no problems with it being on no worries whatsoever i thought thought he was it was wasn't he even in critters 2 i think that was one of his first roles he was in, i think yeah yeah one one of the ones he probably will want to forget <laughs> yeah probably yeah but he is no doubt he deserves an oscar mm. um I think the stuff that we didn't see in this movie, all the behind scenes, all of him going, uh, just living out in a mountain for six months, he'll turn around and say, yeah, I deserve that for that. But we didn't see it. We didn't see any of it. That's the problem. Mm. Um, I think he turned in a great performance for this. I think this movie, I don't use this lightly, I think this is a masterpiece. I really do. I think the fact that it's all shot with natural lighting makes a difference. You can tell with that. Mm. There's so many camera angles where 
you're on someone's face and then you come out and you have a wonderful tracking shot of the surrounding area and then you're back on the face again. It's just, you're, you're immersed in that forest. Mm. You, feel re- you feel really connected with it. I think this is a glorious movie. Really do. I thought Tom Hardy, yes, his accent was, it was all over the place, but I thought he put just as much effort into this as Leonardo did. Mm. If Leo was deserved of the uh, Oscar for that, I think he's deserved of an Oscar for this as well. Mm. Um, who's the guy from Maze Runner? Oh, my computer's crashed. Nuts. Um, Will Poulter. I, th- I thought he was fantastic. He, he was brilliant in this. He's kind of like the cut price Matt Damon, though, isn't he? Yeah. He, he kind of looks like him a little bit. <laughs> it, you know, oh, we can't afford Matt Damon. We'll get him in it now. Um, he was brilliant in it. Uh, uh, Dom Lowell, uh Gleason. Was, yeah. he, he's turning up in everything now as well. But yeah. he was brilliant in it. So I, I thought this was a cracking movie. I thought it looked glorious. Yes, it was... It felt drawn out, but it's the same as um, Apocalypse Now. You can get bored in that. Yeah. And yet people sometimes, if you find a movie that you latch onto, that you really enjoy, and you, you don't want it to end, this might be one of these movies for me. I didn't want this to end. I was quite happy just going on the journey. Yeah. I think visually there's no doubting um, that, it's, that it's stunning. And the work that goes into it, both cast and crew, um, and you know, you, you mentioned about um, the way it moves from scenery to, to you know to close-ups to um, you know to more you know um, exposition shots. The the way it moves between that is is, is exactly the reasons I love Birdman. Um, the way everything flows really nicely. Yeah, I need to see that. Mm. Um, and there's no doubting that Inyota is a very talented, talented director and he will go on, hopefully, to continue making really, really great films and, and different films as well. Um, and, and The Revenant is completely different to anything else that, you know, not just that was nominated at the Oscars, but almost like anything else that was out this year. Um, but just specifically looking at that best film category, you know, you could say that, you know, the material of Spotlight and The Big Short are uh, obviously different, but they're not two dissimilar type of films. Mm-hmm. And people are lumping together, you know, Mad Max and um, The Martian. I guess people are, are saying maybe because it's it, they're a bit more um, kind of um, mainstream films. But again, they're kind of these, um, you know, you've got Mad Max, which is kind of the, you know, the action um, and... Um, just forgot its name already. The Martian. Uh, the Martian, which is obviously slightly kind of drama, comedy kind of genre, which, you know, comedy and, and action are often um, overlooked and underappreciated. Yeah. Um, I think the, people yeah, lump... Was... I think people lump them two together because they're very red. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, but, and again, you know, uh, Brooklyn, um, you know, very typical kind of Oscar Beatty type film kind of period. And, um, um, again, book, uh, an adaptation again. Um, so I think this is, is very unique. Again, Birdman, it was very unique. Um, and, you know, 
Birdman was very meta, for example, that it had that going for that was that was you know, brilliant. Um, the little inside jokes that were direct, but you know, for people that that know, for example, the actors' kind of histories, you know, you could go, oh, that's, that's funny. I, I got that. I picked up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when it was in the Revenant, it's the it's the labour. It was a slog doing this film. Um, you know, from all the kind of, as you said, the backstage stuff, all the stories that we've heard, you know, the stuff that not only DiCaprio, but all the cast put themselves through and the crew as well, you know, <laughs> they're the unsung heroes of the film. They also had to, you know, slum it. And I'm sure, I'm sure they weren't going back to, um, you know, I'm sure they weren't going back to lavish hotels or anything. They were, they were probably equally working very hard in, in very, very difficult conditions. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. I, I... I'd imagine Best Grip would still deserve an Oscar. Mm. Just as much as Leonardo, because he was yeah. still next to him, taping stuff down. And yeah. Taping stuff down in a snowy forest is pretty hard. <laughs> so yeah. I would have thought he, he, yeah, it is more like a, a collective thing. And he will look back on this. He'll look back on him. He'll have all these memories of making this movie and know that he put possibly his life on the line and hypothermia mm. and stuff like that. So, yeah, I can see why he would relish it being the Rev- uh, Revenant. Mm. Yeah, you don't quite want me around, but I, I certainly appreciate it a little bit more than, than, than I did 10 minutes ago. So there we, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. If you get anything out of it, I appreciate it a little bit more now. <laughs> uh, moving on, though, um, it, I had one that came up in the box office top 10, and that was Creed. Okay, this is a continuation of uh, Rocky Balboa. The former he- world heavyweight champion Rocky Balboa serves as a trainer and mentor to Adonis Johnson, the son of his late friend and former rival Apollo Creed. So you haven't seen this one. Um, when you go into a boxing movie or a, a movie of this thing, you, you kind of know what you're going to get. You're going to get a big end fight. You're going to have all the build up to it as well. Um, this has that and a little bit more as well. Um, we have Sylvester Stallone reviving his role as Rocky Balboa. Uh, we have um, Michael B. Jordan. He was in Fantastic Four, which I'm sure he'll want to forget already. <laughs> he plays Adonis Johnson, uh, which is the son of Apollo Creed. Uh, he hasn't taken his name. I didn't th- at the beginning of the movie, he didn't know who his father was. It's kind of... A, a, he's trying to establish himself as a boxer but without using the name creed and yet finds that he needs to let go of all them walls and work his way towards the big fight at the end you know exactly what you're going to get on this you're going to get all the same beats if you've seen rocky you've seen this if you've seen rocky too you've seen this uh the nice thing about this is that it does pull from rocky 4 which is the best one um and a little bit of Rocky Three as well. Uh, there's a scene in this where we have um, Adonis and Rocky talking away. And at the end of uh, Rocky Three, it closes off with Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa throwing punches at each other. And just before they're going to strike, they're having like a secret match behind closed doors. And it, it's always in the folklore of Rocky that there was his match, but nobody knows who won. And yet you, you do find out who won on that match in this movie. But then again, 
is it what he says happened or is it what he didn't say that happened um Sylvester Stallone in this I think he was superb he he put in a vintage performance for Rocky but he's got a class in this I think he's got a real good class in it he's played so uh, played Rocky in in all these other movies and you know what you're getting. This one, he's the older gentleman. He's the fighter. He he doesn't know what the internet cloud is. He's mm-hmm. you know he's the old guy that doesn't really get it. Even though we all know, we go up to a seventy year old person, they probably know what the cloud is. They probably have a tablet. They probably have their own uh, PDA or iPhone or smartphone or something like that. They're not that dumb as the world of film would like to make it out. Um, so you do have that in there. But if you like Rocky movies or fighting movies, let's say Warrior. I think Tom Hardy was in Warrior recently. Uh, you're going to get the same type of thing, but it's got the skin of Rocky wrapped around it. Uh, there are some standout uh, camera shots in this where they do the panning thing, whether it was a tracking shot or whether it was spliced up from different shots. Uh, I do not know, but... They're all seamlessly stitched together and you have nice long tracking shots of around the ring and close-ups and then it zooms out as well. So it's done really nicely. You feel immersed into it. Uh, it's The only flaw that I would give it is it is just another Rocky. And if you've seen them, then you kind of know what you're getting. Uh, there is one good scene where... It spells it out in just shadow boxing. It spells out this whole movie within shadow boxing. And it's uh, Adonis Johnson shadow boxing along with Rocky and uh, Apollo Creed in a, uh, a, a match that they had. And then all of a sudden you realize hang on, he's not fighting Rocky. He's not fighting from the Creed side, he's fighting against Creed. And so you see his motivation of he doesn't want to take on that name. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to use it. He doesn't want to use it as a step up uh, from where he's become. But there are some really nice touches. I would highly recommend anyone who likes boxing movies or just give it a go. I Don't turn it down. You might miss something that you really would enjoy. I think it has been a year, actually, of, of films like that um, where... So often people go, oh, no, no, I won't like that. I won't like that. And, you know, I come back to Furious 7. You know, that, that film um, impressed so many people, people that had never seen a Fast and Furious film before, people that didn't think they would like it. And I suspect this is very much the same thing. Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, if if you like the... Everyone likes Rocky... Everyone likes a Rocky movie out there. Mm-hmm. I famously like Rocky Four because it is the cheesiest one and he has like a robot in it and stuff like that. But it, it's so cool mm. because it's 80s cheese and I can get on it. But then again, Sylvester Stallone looks like he's carved out of wood halfway through it and you know all the, the training stuff he's going through. You think, flipping hell, that would kill me. In this, you you have all the training sessions. You have montages. It's not a Rocky movie if you don't have a montage. And and so you have all that there. You have all the ingredients. I think, once again, it might be a movie that you, you would normally turn your nose up at. But 
don't let it. I nearly did it with Steve Jobs and ended up watching it and thought it was fabulous. If you do it to this, you might regret it. Moving on, though. Um, the Oscar winner, uh, the big Oscar winner, shall we say, uh, Spotlight, uh, which I know you haven't seen. No, um, I haven't, no. Um, but for me, it's, it's, it's very difficult sometimes when you get immersed in the hype around certain films. Um, this was getting so much traction um, at the beginning of January, uh, and then when this film was released, um, there were people jumping on it. There are still people jumping on it now uh, because it's won the Oscar. Um, but I wanted so badly not to like it because I, I didn't want to be one of those people, but I, I couldn't help it. Um, basically, it's about the true story of how the Boston Globe uncovered the massive scandal of child molestation and cover-up within the local Catholic Church, shaking the entire church to its core. Uh, it has a absolutely stunning performance from Mark Ruffalo, which uh, Chris Wilson in the Oscar special to be having this tonight completely shot me down uh, when, I, when I said that. Um, but Ruffalo really is fantastic in this, but he's, he's not alone. Michael Keaton is brilliant. Um, I'm always really impressed, uh, impressed with Stanley Tucci. Um, he, again, is brilliant in this. Um, there's some nice performances as well, smaller ones, but, but still important. John Slattery is in it. Um, and Liev uh, Schneider, um, Rachel McAdams was the only one that really didn't get all that much to do. Um, so when she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, that was a bit of a bit of a surprise. Um, but but you know, she does the job in there as part of the ensemble. Um, but this film, like so many, I guess, Oscar bait type films, is, mm-hmm. it, it, it is an important one. Um, it's one that brings to light something that um, it was so terrible, but it gets forgotten. Um, you know, it, it happens time and time again. You know, we, we did it with Twelve Years a Slave. It just it just brings it back to the forefront of your mind that these terrible things do happen in the world, and they've been happening throughout history. Um, and with this one, and um, like another um, uh, award nominee that we're going to talk about shortly, The Big Short, kind of less a horrible thing as such, but again, something. Um, you know, really important in our history that happened um, that isn't always at the forefront of our mind. Um, and, and Spotlight does such a good job um, of telling the story so sensitively um, and, and trying not to glamorise it in any way. Um, and um, Tom McCarthy, who, who directed it, worked uh, really well with, with Josh Singer, who, who, who co-wrote the movie with him, um, to try and tell these stories um, as truly and sensitively as possible, um, uh, the, the cast have spoken about how they, you know, they, they did speak um, to re- to real life suffer, um, you know, to people that did suffer from, um, you know, these these horrible orde- horrible ordeals, um, and you know, as always, they they, they do a lot of research, um, you know, about the about the issues that they have to to try and tell, um, and. They do do a fantastic job, um, and I, I came out of it feeling feeling a little bit sick. Um, just to think that this kind of thing it does go on, and it and it's still going on um, because even though this situation has been 
you know, dealt with as such, um, it's still something that, that goes on. Um, and I know it's not just, uh, it doesn't just happen in, in the Catholic Church. You know, it's, 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 it's a problem that, uh, you know, unfortunately um, has befallen us as, as a race. Unfortunately, there are people out there that, um, you know, do these horrible things. Definitely, and, definitely. Um, and it's not exclusive, as I said, to, to the church or to anything. But um, it, I think it is important to keep talking about it um, because otherwise these problems will just they'll just go away and we'll just stop the, the, you know these things will keep happening uh, but they won't get the um coverage that, that perhaps a big hollywood blockbuster can give yeah the problem with like you say these films bring items that have been in the news uh back to the the forefront of our minds this and let's say the big short which we're going to be talking about very very soon Mm. Uh, just because the media stops talking about it doesn't mean that it stops mm. and sometimes you need to be reminded like 12 Years a Slave you need to be reminded of what has happened and possibly what could happen as well yeah. you need to be reminded these are important movies to give you a kick up the bum and just realise hang on you know, this is still happening guys could be still happening and we don't want it to happen but the only way you're going to remember it is if we put it in a movie which is it's a sorry state of affairs but it's it's a truth as well mm. because media uh they have such a, a a stranglehold on the way that we think and the way that they portray things they tell us what we want to feel they you know there's people still dying of ebola yeah, and yet it's not been in the news for years and years, mm. and we still need to be reminded. And so these movies, when they do get nominated, and when they do win awards, that is almost as important as just making these movies outright, because it, it puts them on such a pedestal where we can highlight these sort of problems. And you know, regardless, uh, you know, of what we'll, what we just discussed, it is a a solid movie. You know, it's, it's very good, and so I highly recommend it to, to anybody that hasn't gotten around um, to see it, because not only is it an important movie, luckily it's, it's also a good one as well. And from one Oscar nominee to another, up next is our review of The Big Short. Michael, how are you? I found something really interesting. The whole housing market is propped up on these bad loans. They will fail. The housing market is rock solid. It's a time bomb. So Mike Burry, who gets his hair cut at Supercuts and doesn't wear shoes, knows more than Alan Greenspan. Dr. Mike Burry, yes he does. Three separate but parallel stories of the US mortgage housing crisis of 2005 are told. Michael Burry, an eccentric ex-physician turned one-eyed scorn capital hedge fund manager, has traded traditional office attire for shorts, bare feet, and supercut haircuts. He believes that the US housing market is built on a bubble that will burst within the next few years. Autonomy within the company allows Burry to do largely as he pleases, so Burry proceeds to bet against the housing market with the banks, who are more than happy to accept his proposals for something that's never happened in American history. The banks believe that Burry is a crackpot, and therefore are confident in that they will win the deal. 
Jared Bennett with Deutsche Bank gets wind of what Burry is doing and, as an investor, believes he can catch on, uh, cash in on Burry's beliefs. An errant telephone call to Front Point Partners gets this information into the hands of Mark Baum, an idealist who is fed up with the corruption in the American economy. Well, it's quite a lot to digest, this film. There's quite a lot that goes on, and it talks to you sometimes like you're a child, but I think with something that is so complicated, Mm. I think they actually hit it right. Yeah, you need to be spoken to like a child with this sometimes. It is very complicated. You you possibly might not even get it the first time round mm. uh because it at some points it is very fast paced uh it's very talky talky but that is what y- you should really expect that as you go into this movie yeah. um, it is a case of bad people seeing a bad thing and then betting against the bad people and then yeah. the bad people letting the bad people do that and then realising, hang on, no! And then you don't want to root for anyone because you know the root cause of this and you know yeah. that you know the effects of what is going to happen at the end of it. Yeah. But it, you are watching bad people do bad things with other bad people and then the other bad people try to double-cross the bad people. And you think, you're all idiots. I yeah. don't like any of you. I know, but it's, it's a bit like um, uh, DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. You've got Ryan Gosling here who... For some reason, you want to root for. I don't know why. He's just charmingly like, uh, um, you know, he's got this presence that's charming, and it's actually something I've not really seen Gosling do. Uh, certainly not to my knowledge. Um, you know, in in recent years, he's just been kind of muttering and stuttering and kind of giving suave looks and driving off in fast cars. Yeah. <laughs> and previously he was fluttering his eyelashes and uh, winning the hearts of every woman in America. Um, so f- for me, this is the first one I've actually ever seen him act properly in. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he does it very well. Um, yeah. Steve Carell, like you say, serious role works really, really well. Your, your heart bleeds for him sometimes. Yeah. Where, you know, you shouldn't really be you should be cursing him yeah yeah. um but it does nice little things um who's going to be our harley quinn in in the new uh suicide squad movies i can't Um, margot robbie it does this thing where it flits where it talks to you like a child it goes okay right you don't understand you might not understand this so here's uh, her in the bath yeah. And and she's going to explain it to you. Yeah. Or here's this chef, and he's going to explain it to you using soup as an analogy. Is yeah. Selena Gomez at a roulette table? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's done in such a way that okay, I get that. I can understand yeah. that. It is very child's play, but it works very well, and it suits the movie. It, you don't feel pulled out when it does that. And no. even it's, when it... they break the fourth wall, you don't feel pulled out because you no. feel as if like you're in an interview room. It's it's that style that they decided to take that made me root for Adam McKay actually as director, um, just because it was so bizarre in some in some respects. Um, you don't get it very often um, in in movies where they where they break the fourth wall like that. It's becoming quite popular in TV 
um, quite a few things, House of Cards, Lucifer, another, there's something else that I watch that breaks the fourth wall quite often, but in film I don't think it happens quite as much, um, so to see this it was really refreshing. Mm. Um, one, movie, uh, one actor that we were talking about, we were talking about Mark Ruffalo just disappearing mm. into the background as yeah. an actor. Brad Pitt in this, yeah, he's he's very un Brad Pitt like, yeah, and it works superbly well. He's mm. he he's very monotone, and you don't normally get that from him. He's no. normally I wouldn't say all over the place, but he's he's showing himself like I am Brad Pitt and I will act. Yeah, this he's just your average guy. Uh, he, he just fits in so so well mm. and yet you don't look at it as all oh, that is brad pitt with a beard you don't think that you just think oh that's that guy yeah and yeah i i was really impressed with this um i i've seen this twice now and but you you gain knowledge the second time round. i'm mm. looking forward to seeing it a third time and a fourth time i will because I don't think I will get bored of this because there's so much information knocking around and then yeah. the little nuances that you missed out on the first three watches, you're going to get the fourth or the fifth time and mm. you'll still enjoy it. Well, what did you think of Christian Bale? Because we mentioned everybody else. I, I've i always liked Christian Bale. Um, yeah. I thought he played this role really well. Um, mm. the, the character that he's playing, Michael Burry... Yeah. Um, has he got like Asperger's or anything like that? I, I do not know. Um, it, it wasn't explained that the 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 eye accident, uh, right? Um, that, that that was what caused him to behave the way he does because because of, because of the way he's grown up and um, the way he was insecure about it. Do you remember the very the, the very early scenes where he, his eye falls out on the um because he's got a glass eye isn't he? it falls yeah. out on yeah. the um American football pitch. Oh, the weird thing is though, I, I know that his character had a glass eye, but I was looking at Christian Bale going, Is that glass eye? Is it <laughs> I, yeah. I, I know it's not. I know no. it's not gonna it's gonna move like a normal eye, but flipping out I was like is yeah. that? I'm not too I, sure. Well, that's what I was saying. What did you feel like, Christine? Because I, I there were times where I just would, I mean, it's, it's immature, but I'd giggle to myself. Just, just the, the way he would be looking. It's almost like if, if he were there, he was looking at you, but not looking at you. Yeah, and then <laughs> smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that really like, devilish smile. It, it is a devilish, but also childish as well. Yeah. As if no one's really taking him seriously, and then he's having conversations with uh, heavy metal going off on his uh, on his headphones. Yeah, it's very yeah. American Psycho all over again. Yeah, yeah, he's very very good. Um, but the um, the the two that aren't barely mentioned, and I, I've got to be honest, I don't even <coughs> don't even know their names. But the the young pair, and I will quickly now. But I probably should have done this before. Uh, but the young pair, I thought they were really interesting as the, well. The guys working with Brad Pitt, the ones yeah. that um, they've made a certain amount of money, but they want to make big, big bucks. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's not him. Uh, uh, no, I'm not going to find him now. <laughs> not him. Is it Rafe Spool? I can't remember their, their actual names in it. Danny, I feel like it was... Danny. But their performance, there is is a bit where it is spelled out to you what yeah. is happening here, that, and you you think, oh, okay, right, yeah, you're making millions, ah. and millions of pounds or dollars, yeah. 
and yet I despise you with every bone in my body. Yeah, the characters there were the characters were called Charlie Geller and Jamie Shipley, uh, played by um, uh, John Magro and Finn Whitrock. Um, John Magro um, been in Carol Unbroken. Uh, my soul to take. Um, I'm sure he's been in TV as well. He looks like a looks like one of those nerdy TV kids. Um, no, no, he hasn't been in anything else. Uh, but I was very impressed with both of those as well. I think everybody involved in this gave you know decent performances, um, and it's another one of those where it was a real ensemble job. Even though that you know the 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 four that get the top billing, as it were, um, obviously you know put in fantastic performances. Everyone involved contributed to make this a really good film. Yeah. Now I was really impressed with this. Um, I would highly recommend people go and watch this. Um, obviously, the it it won for best adapted screenplay, which I think is fair game, really, because they're taking a book that's almost well, it is considered non-fiction, um, and turning it into you know a big screen experience, something that's not going to bore everybody's tits off so to speak yeah. um and it's actually going to be funny and entertaining and, and you know there is a lot of comedy in there it is a funny film um so to do that i think was was really impressive yeah no i i would heartily recommend this uh like you said the, the comedy there there was a, a bit where someone turns to the fourth wall and you think he, he run some uh, is it uh goslin he's running off some spiel about his uh um money man or his numbers man yeah just giving a load of crock and ball to the people that are trying to invest or he's trying to put this thing across to and then he turns and breaks the fourth wall and he says you know actually i I came second in this contest you know yeah but it works so so well it's so so fluid yeah it doesn't really break that fourth wall but it it does in in a certain sense do it later on where they all go um, to the convention and uh, Steve Carell's talking to the the arsehole banker and Ryan Gosling is doing the voiceover and saying he's going to break now he's going to break you know he's going to get really angry yeah. <laughs> watch him watch him it's just it's brilliant and it works so well because you don't need to need you don't need to hear what they're saying because you know, most of it you know you can't really understand because it's, um, it's you know it's supposed to be um, not to be a, you know you're not supposed to know exactly what they're saying. Um, and I don't think you need to because it's the, it's the reaction to these characters and this voiceover that Ryan Gosling, you know, fourth wall uh, style, you know, gives. Um, it's brilliant. Yeah, no, highly recommended. So that's the big short, and that's it. Whee! <laughs> Thanks for joining us, though. As we spoke about at the start of the show, they can find you on, on numerous podcasts, but on, on Twitter at, at Elton McManus. That's correct, uh, yeah. That's right. And you can guys can find me at Dan Thomas Taylor um on Twitter. You can obviously find this podcast um and more at our um new home, as it were, at www.blackholepodcasts.com. Uh, and there's a whole array of stuff. Um not only uh, obviously us, but you've also got our sister uh podcast Pick a Flick. Um, which picks and reviews films that you have submitted on Twitter. Uh, so that's an exciting little gimmick right there. Uh, you also delve into TV, uh, the X cast, uh, which Tony himself heads up um, and the reviewing um, everything X uh, files. 
um, Emma Platt, um, our, uh, one of our former co-hosts, uh, she's doing Dead Meat, which is a horror special. goes really in-depth into kind of everything that makes um, horrors so fantastic. Brand new, we've got The Retro Box. That is uh, very much like Pick a Flick, where you... Um, recommend a tv show um and tony and co will go away and they'll watch it and they'll come back and they'll talk about it how brilliant is that uh, i believe the first episode is going to be friends um so if you were a fan of friends back in the 90s then watch them uh, either love it or hate it we'll see um and also the composers which is currently a special um, um on this podcast it's been going out uh, over the last few weeks uh, that one is getting its own show uh, coming up soon so keep an eye out for that uh, you can find all that as i said on the website blackholepodcast.com or on the twitter at blackholemedia um, and when you find us on facebook as well and on our host on acast thanks again for joining us though Elton. no worries Hope see you soon um, and we'll see you all later to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.